Welcome to Done With Debauchery, a sobriety and wellness podcast where you'll hear honest experiences about navigating life and relationships without alcohol, how to pursue your own personal wellness journey, and share intimate conversations with special guests. I'm your host, Keisha Scott. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Done With Debauchery. I hope you liked my birthday episode last week. It was so fun to reflect on all the things that made it such a special birthday for me, especially with it being my first sober birthday. Last episode, I talked a lot about how my best friend came to visit and celebrate my birthday with me. And she is joining me in a different way this week. She is my special guest on this week's episode. Alicia has been my best friend since high school. She's been my biggest supporter and cheerleader through everything that I do, including the sobriety journey. She's someone who has been in my life through the good and the bad, and I've never once had to question if she'll be there for me. Today, Alicia makes her podcasting debut. We chat about how our friendship and drug use started in high school, what it was like when I moved to a new city shortly after graduating, to how she has naturally grown out of her desire to get drunk and drink alcohol in excess. She also shares her perspective on what it's like when your best friend gets sober. This episode is so special to me, and I hope you love it too. Let's get into it. Hey, bestie. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you so much. I'm so honored to be here. Everybody, this is my best friend, Alicia. She is my best friend since high school. I think we met in 2005. That sounds correct. We were in grade nine at high school in Winnipeg. So we have been best friends for 17 years now. That's insane. I cannot even believe it's been 17 years. It's more than half of our lives actually. (laughs) And so (laughs) it's honestly so crazy to think about it to go so far back. We met when we were about, I guess, like 16, probably then because we're both 32 now. But for a big chunk of that time, we've actually lived in different cities and different provinces. It's true. Yeah, it's weird thinking about you moving like fairly early on. Yeah, it was, for those who don't know, it was kind of the first year out of high school, essentially. We graduated in 2008. I came to Toronto in 2009. It was supposed to be pretty brief, and I just never went back to Winnipeg, which started our long-distance relationship. And I mean, I totally don't blame you. Yeah. Yeah, it was just a, (laughs) a good fit at the time for me, it felt like. So we became, I feel like, pretty fast friends in high school. Um, We maybe went to the same school for about a year before we really connected, I think. What do you think? Yeah. It was about a year. I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. And then 
I call it like a romance. It's been like a romance. (laughs) Like truly, we were so, we were like the best of friends in high school. We slept in the same twin bed having sleepovers. Like we were inseparable. We wore matching outfits. Like (laughs) we were losers. At any chance we could get, we'd be wearing matching outfits. Yeah. (laughs) I wish there was more photos of us in those two matching outfits we wore with those uh, Echo t-shirts we had. Honestly, I'm glad that there was less photo evidence back then. We've already have enough embarrassing photos of each other. So (laughs) it's true. It's true. So during our teenage years is when we both really started, I think, experimenting with drugs and alcohol. And it was, I don't want to say it was something that we bonded over because I don't think that's really the case, but it was something that we definitely had in common. I would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think before I met you, I definitely had been already experimenting with uh, drinking and substances. Um, but I think it really got worse. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we're, we're recording on Zoom and my dog just came and sat directly beside me. <laughs> so it looks like the three of us are on a call. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, keep going. Um, no, I think that was kind of it. Yeah. Um, I think it was just a whirlwind after that. It was every weekend. It was during the week. Um, you know, it got pretty intense, pretty quick. We had, and it wasn't just us two either. We also Mm -hmm. had other friends who were, you know, partaking in the same things as us. And then there was the total other spectrum where we had people in our school that, you know, were not drinking, they were not using even just drugs like marijuana, or, Mm -hmm. you know, something a little bit lighter. And then here we are hopping right into like really hard drugs at such a young age. Yeah, it's really interesting how there was like that huge divide. And we went to a public school. So I feel like maybe the accessibility to things like like drugs and whatnot was a little bit more readily available if we wanted to seek it out. But I guess maybe we had things going on in our personal home lives that kind of like, I don't know, led us to to those choices. I know I did at least. But do you remember like any of the first times that we got drunk or did drugs together? Um, I feel like specifically it was fairly early on and I didn't really know you and, um, one of your best friends, uh, was also part of the story. And, um, I remember you asking me, Hey, do you want to come do ecstasy in the back of a van? (laughs) And I was like, okay. That is how I lured (laughs) you in. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I think it was just all history after that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. And so I feel like for the most part, like we were having fun or we thought we were having fun looking back at it now, it definitely is like a little bit shocking, like how many drugs we were doing, how often, and just like in the circumstances that we would find ourselves what do you think when you look back at it? Like, was that a normal like high school experience or what? I definitely don't think it was normal for everybody. I think lots of people were, you know, focusing on their education and 
like possibly just trying to like make it through that time. Uh, it's already hard enough as it is just mm-hmm. to be in high school, I think in general. And um, yeah, like, I mean, specifically, I remember us leaving our high school that we were in to go to a different high school for a year. We thought, wow, what, like, what a fresh start, like that we were gonna, you know, get our shit together by changing schools So we went to this other school for a year and I found that it was very isolating looking back on it. Like we only had each other, our drug use escalated and we had nobody like our friends from our high school who would have called us out on maybe some of the things that we were doing. So we really just kind of looking back, put ourselves in a pretty, you know, a scary situation. Yeah. And I think that we really did like switch schools thinking that like we were going to get away from all the bad influences, all the drugs and start fresh. And it was kind of like that, like that saying, like, wherever you go, there you are. So we were just like doing the same shit in a different environment. But yeah, I I remember like that year was really hard. We didn't have a lot of friends at our new school. Nobody liked us maybe because we were on drugs all the time (laughs) like who would looking back but yeah it's true and now it's like it's really shocking when I look at somebody that age I'm like you're a child Mm -hmm. you know yeah and like even my nieces like they're not that old yet but they're 10 and 12 and like I think of them as babies like I would be absolutely horrified if in a few years they were doing the kind of shit we were doing yeah A hundred percent. And I think that's really where it became a problem is, you know, using it during the week when we were supposed to be like at school, like, and using it in unrecreational places. Mm -hmm. Like at school. Like at school. Yeah. 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 So I think that 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 is totally accurate that around that was grade 11 we were at a different school and then for grade 12 we went back to our original high school where sort of our friend circles were we knew a lot more people both people that were drinking and using drugs and people that weren't or maybe like a lot less so we filtered back into a a little bit of a more positive environment and I feel like overall we did kind of clean our shit up in grade 12 we both graduated on time thankfully by some like grace of god like we graduated on time (laughs) i feel like i got on the honor roll like my mom was very surprised (laughs) i'm not sure how you did that me either i think i just showed up to class and they're like thank god like we'll do whatever it takes yeah yeah no i think grade 12 was good and we both had jobs and a little bit more responsibilities but we also had a a job the whole time (laughs) We also just had, you know, a little bit um, more money to play with also, which which wasn't great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And then, so do you think that me moving to Toronto and us kind of like separating had an impact on either of our like drug use? Like, did it scale it back? Did it ramp it up? Because I feel like around that time, we kind of both went on different journeys with our like with our substance use, I kind of continued down a path and maybe went a little deeper. And I feel like you tapered off and stopped. Yeah, I mean, for the first bit, I was for sure like sad, 
uh, obviously. And yeah. I felt like I was possibly like using drugs, you know, by myself, which also isn't great. Right. Um, but I was just like busy at that time. I was, I was in college after, so I kind of had to do that. Yeah. You were actually like moving on, like taking like the next like adult steps, going to school, working towards your career. And I had just moved to a new city with no job and was like, hell yeah. (laughs) I mean, I was jealous for sure. (laughs) I wanted to be there. I wish you were. (laughs) And so that first year when I moved to Toronto you actually came for my birthday no it was your birthday it was my birthday yeah our birthdays are a month apart so you came in October the end of October and I feel like we really did like rage that weekend yeah oh yeah we picked up right where we left off 100% yeah and we got matching tattoos which I do not regret one bit I love my tattoo I don't regret it (laughs) But yeah, I honestly, I don't remember so many of like the things that we actually did, but I know it was Halloween weekend. We partied. We, who even knows like where we ended up some random fucking Halloween party. The next day we went to the Mandarin and I just remember like we both felt like we were going to die. Like, and then you had to go to the airport and we were so sick napping before you went to the airport it's just such a huge contrast to the birthday weekend that like we literally just had like was that last weekend you were here that was last weekend yeah it already feels like it was so long ago I know and realistically that was like one of my favorite weekends together to be truly honest like I felt like we were able to just go with the flow we had fun last weekend yeah yeah it was busy, but it was also like enjoyable. Yeah. You know, neither of us were hungover. Neither of us were irritated. Um, We were just able to relax and like enjoy each other's company. Yeah. I feel the same. Like, I feel like that is probably like the most fun trip that like of you coming to visit me here and like the most memorable for sure. Not that the other ones weren't good too, but yeah, just, different reasons and like a different level of connection. I know I personally can be a little grumpy when I'm hungover. So (laughs) I was on my best behavior this past weekend. Or hungry. (laughs) Or hungry. Yeah, we did get a little grumpy with that, but it it passed quickly. (laughs) And so what's your relationship now with drugs and alcohol like? Um, I truly, I really don't drink that much anymore. Um, I love to like socially have a cocktail, um, or two. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll also use like, you know, some, some gummies once in a while just to hang out and relax. Um, but really, I don't really drink anymore. Uh, and I definitely don't really do hard drugs either. You don't Um, at all. I don't at all. Yeah. Yeah. And so the only thing that I would like maybe partake in a little bit more is like some mushrooms and, Mm -hmm. and some, I'm interested in ayahuasca. I would like to do that one time. So more like uh, drugs for medicinal purposes. Yeah. Psychedelics, things that are going to expand your mind. I agree. Yes. Yeah. And so do you think that specifically, I think that you just grew out of the drug phase, like at, as I did for the most part, 
for me over the last few years, I feel like for you, it's been quite a bit longer. Um, but do you feel like giving up alcohol and cutting back in the amount that you do drink has been a conscious decision or has it just been you kind of following what makes you feel good? For me, I don't know if it was ever drinking that was the problem. I think I hated the feeling of being drunk. I was a puker. I, I yeah. always felt sick. Um, the hangovers would just rock me. Um, so really, I used drugs in a way to like sober up from mm -hmm. the effects of drinking alcohol. So um it was a really easy, like once I stopped drinking, then I really didn't need the hard drugs. Um, so yeah, so it was really just like a natural progression. It just kind of happened organically. Um, and I just feel better when I don't drink. So yeah, and it's also something that you and your fiance over the last few years have really just started living a much healthier lifestyle overall, like you guys work out a lot, you have a beautiful gym set up at your home, you eat healthy. So it's like when you're putting all of these good things into your life and into your body, there's not as much space for the things that make you feel like shit. Yeah, 100%. And I just don't enjoy waking up with a hangover. The <laughs> or the anxiety. It's or the, the anxiety. anxiety. Yeah. It's the anxiety for me. Yeah, it's the yeah. absolute worst. <laughs> Yeah. So I remember also during the pandemic, I came back to Winnipeg. I was there on and off for a few months and I stayed with you and your fiance for, for a good portion of it. Like we are family. Like if there's a quarantine, I'm quarantining at your house. Like 100%. <laughs> but I remember like I feel like the whole time I was there, I like kept like wanting to drink, like I wanted to have wine. If we were going in the hot tub, I wanted a glass of wine. If we were watching a movie, should we make a drink? And it just like, I could feel it in the moment that like it just wasn't really in line with your lifestyle anymore, even just like a casual like glass of wine. Meanwhile, I wanted to drink the whole bottle, like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I definitely felt that at the time. We were just like, it is a weeknight. We all have to work tomorrow. Like, let's go have a workout. Let's relax. Like, yeah. we didn't, we both don't feel like we need alcohol to uh, just be in the moment, right? Mm -hmm. And I guess it was kind of like a little bit of a different dynamic. Like, you guys were getting up and going to work. I was like outside of the city that I live in, like not really working. And I think that that also could have been like a factor for me on how things did escalate like over over the last few months and years yeah it was like a hundred percent and I feel like it had a negative uh impact uh with you and your family as well with the drinking with the drinking yeah for sure and I feel like even now like my relationship with my mom is so much better now that I don't drink. Like she makes an effort, I feel like, to not drink. At least when she comes and visits me, for sure. She's not bringing alcohol into the home. Like something that I didn't have to ask her to do. Like she's just, I think, become like a lot more self-aware. And even like going out when I am in Winnipeg, like she is a lot more mindful of her alcohol use. And it just, yeah, I mean, you've been there over the years. Like my mom and I have kind of a rocky relationship. Like we love each other so much, but it gets it's touch and go sometimes. Like, maybe yeah, and that I was think more me. 
I think that's any mother-daughter relationship or any family dynamic. Like everybody wants people to be better and, and do their best. Um, and it's actually really been cool watching people, the people around you reevaluate their relationship with drinking. Um, now that you're on this like fun journey, you know, everybody sees and they're really proud of you. And you have such a great group of girlfriends there. I got to meet them all last mm -hmm. weekend. And I just feel um, like you're just really supported and people want to be a part of your journey. So I think that probably makes it real a lot easier for you. It totally does. Like even having friends that are like interested in trying the mocktails or like one of my girlfriends like literally gave me a bag of like different sparkling waters and non-alcoholic drinks for my birthday. And it's like, that is exactly what I want to receive. Like, it's just like the equivalent of giving somebody a bottle of wine. Like it was so nice to get that. And I don't know if you noticed at my birthday brunch, but nobody had an alcoholic drink. I really didn't notice to be honest. Yeah. But it, I think probably everyone felt great. It was Sunday. People were able to go about their day mm -hmm. um, instead of like going home and like possibly like having a nap or like just feeling shitty. Yeah. I think it was a yeah. great way to celebrate your birthday. It was so much fun. And it was so good for <laughs> you to meet everybody, like all the faces and the names that like we've talked about over the years, the stories you've heard. Yeah. <laughs> the stories 100%. they've heard. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's really cool um, seeing like the community around drinking. So restaurants having like a non-alcoholic section um, in their menu. Um, there's lots of health podcasts that are talking about um, drinking the, and the negative side effects. So I think there's uh, like a lot more of like an open conversation about uh, substance abuse. Yeah, it's so true. And I think that that's what makes it so easy to speak out even more is like having, like you said, like restaurants that have an inclusive men, peach, sorry, my dog is trying to get in my lap. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, the restaurants with all the different non-alcoholic drinks, like going to the Scotiabank arena, like we did and having not one, but two non-alcoholic beers and a non-alcoholic spirit, like that never would have happened five years ago. So it takes a lot of the stigma and the shame out of the conversation. Like when you're putting these things directly in everyone's face, it's not that like anonymous, like dark basement, I'm an alcoholic, like I need to like live in like secrecy. It's saying like, I don't drink alcohol. Maybe there was a problem, maybe not, but like this is my lifestyle choice now. So I don't know where we were going with that. <laughs> <laughs> Did you? <laughs> um, no. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I think we were just talking about like the, the community being so open mm. and like people actually being able to express themselves. Um, yeah. And just talk about like, you know, some of the issues they may, may be having around like alcohol or substance abuse. Yeah. And even like having like the the Instagram community that I do have and like connecting with all these different sober girls and women living in the city who are kind of looking for the same thing. Like maybe their friends drink, they want to have just one or two girlfriends that don't like, yeah, it's a really neat community. And it's honestly like something that I never thought I would be a part of. So 
yeah, I think it's so fun and it's a great way to like stay accountable. Yeah, absolutely. So what was it like for you when you were living in Winnipeg, I was living in Toronto and maybe like my drinking was getting to its worst. Like, did you ever think that I had a problem with alcohol or drugs? Um, it was hard. Like, I feel like I couldn't be there when you needed me to be there. Um, but I don't think you truly let me know how bad your drinking got. I don't think I let anybody know. <laughs> yeah, which I mean is sad, right? You want to be able to like open up and talk to people about it. But I do understand, mm -hmm. you know, kind of hiding and, and not being open about, you know, how you're truly feeling. Yeah. And I think that that comes back to like that shame and like that feeling of like what I'm doing is wrong and like I'm bad because of it. it it's hard to be like so vulnerable, even though like now, like I can easily talk to you about it and like not feel that way because I'm on the other side of it. But when you're living like in those moments, it is really hard. I feel like the only person who really knew was probably my therapist. Yeah. And I mean, thank God you did have a therapist at the time. Yeah. I yeah, think that was sure. Yeah, really helpful. And not everybody has access to that, which, you know, is so sad to think about somebody who maybe doesn't have the right family supports and then also doesn't have the support of a therapist or mm -hmm. just somebody in the community who's able to help them. Yeah. And I think that that's why, like, having the sober community online, like the podcast, the Instagram pages, like it is a way for everyone who maybe isn't ready to include people in their lives and what's going on, but it's like a way for them to connect like under an anonymous profile even. Yeah. So I don't really think I know what you needed at the time. I think as um, young adults, you often don't have the answers or you're not able to help somebody in that situation. And so I feel like you step back because you really, you just need to get out of the situation. You need to protect your energy. Um, and I think like me and you looking back, both can say that we wish we could have helped out friends when they needed us, but really we had our own shit going on. And so we were like, not in a position to like truly help those people. And at the end of the day, like those people needed like professional help. Yeah. Yeah. I obviously, I know exactly what and like who you're talking about. And it is so hard, like when you have somebody in your life that is struggling and in ways that like, maybe they're not able to fully share. And yeah, I do have like regrets about how I personally handled that situation. And like, for me, it was overwhelming. I felt like I tried to help and then it just got so far so far gone that I was at a loss of what to do. And yeah, we kind of go into like self-preservation mode. Like I'm scared. I'm scared for you. I don't want to be hurt, but I know you're hurting. And like, it, yeah, it's hard to know what to do, especially like for you and I, like when you're in a different province, like you can't just come over and see like what the fuck's happening. Yeah, exactly. So did you ever consider like talking to me about getting sober or were you just, I feel like you were just kind of like 
taking in the information and like kind of like tallying the votes, like seeing like like what's really going on over there. Yeah, I don't think I specifically thought about talking to you about getting sober. Um, I don't know if you would have listened at the time either. I think Fair. you kind of just, yeah, <laughs> I think you just kind of had to ride the waves and like make your own decisions. And I think that you did um, like really, like you were a really good shoulder A to cry on. We cried all the tears, <laughs> but you also like encouraged me to do healthier things. Like you got me into like working out as well, doing like the meal planning and the meal prepping and just creating some kind of like accountability and bringing in like health and wellness in other ways into my life which helped like, cause I gained like probably 30 pounds, like towards the end of my drinking. And I was just like living this life that I didn't recognize. And you did definitely like help pull me back in to the person that I was before by putting, like encouraging me to do all these different things that made me feel good. Yeah. And I mean, life is so short, right? It's, it's about starting just making those like small daily habits and then all the other pieces kind of fall together and then obviously I just wanted you to feel amazing. So yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think our friendship or our relationship has changed at all since I stopped drinking? I mean, I think it's definitely changed in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's changed much, uh, except for us being able to connect like on a deeper level uh, and just really enjoy each other's company. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you really showed up for me this year. So I'm not sure like how you would have handled that if you were still drinking or Mm -hmm. if both of us were still drinking, how we would have coped, um, with grief, um, when using drugs and alcohol. So it could have been like a really slippery slope. So I am super thankful that you were able to be present and so supportive for me. Yeah. And I like, obviously like being able to support you and like show up for you like without a hangover like without like added anxiety and just like be there to be with you um was really important to me so I couldn't like imagine trying to do it if I was drinking the way I was drinking so yeah yeah and for both of us too like if both of us were using or parting or or whatever it just could have been like a really bad scene and I think that when we were doing that before it's because we had no other coping skills like we were hurting or we were going through shit and the easiest way to deal with it was to not so we kind of like self-medicated with drugs and alcohol but now like I feel like we've come so far in those 17 years like we are completely different people than we were in high school obviously as everyone is but I just feel like our ability yeah to communicate to say like what do you need right now and for the other one to be able to say like these are the specific things and the other one to deliver like if that makes sense yeah 100 percent, it does and I mean I think you're a different person they say every 10 years so we're almost at our two different people. Is that what they say? Yeah, they say like all the cells in your body turn over and you're a new person every 10 years. I love that. Yeah. So on our 20th 
friendship adversary. We will be <laughs> two new people <laughs> twice, essentially. Yeah, two new people. And that's cool. I love it. And I, yeah, I think it's true. Like we've changed so much, like only in the last like few years as well. What did you think when I started the podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, I could not have been more excited. Clearly, I am your biggest fan. (laughs) You are the number one subscriber. (laughs) For sure. I was really excited for you. I thought it was a really cool way for you to like focus your energy and also like use all of your talents like your social media like all of your marketing background I think that was like such a cool way for you to like bring it all together into something that you're passionate about Mm -hmm. well thank you (laughs) and so so how do you feel about my sobriety now like do you think like this is me now like I'm never gonna go back to drinking I know it's hard to say Yeah, that's a hard question. Do I want you to get to a point where you could casually have a drink and enjoy it? Like, yeah, of course, because I want you to be able to like control those feelings. But at Mm -hmm. the same time, if you never drank again, it wouldn't affect me at all. And I think you would be just as happy of a person. Yeah, like I'm also like at the point now where it doesn't feel like I've lost something by not drinking alcohol. Like I think for the beginning, it's really hard to go out and socialize and I'm missing out on like this thing that is perceived to be like the social lubricant making every situation better and more fun. But now 10 months in, it's like, that's not the reality. I feel so much better without it. So like my intention is to not drink ever, but yeah, like, would it be nice, like, one year to know that I have the control over the situation? Like, I feel like having that sense of control would be meaningful. Yeah, but I think you've also, like, put together um, all the things that you need. Like, you have your mocktails, you have, you know, you've been able to figure out things that work for you. And I think that you're still able to go out and do all the hobbies and do all the brunches and lunches and dinners um, and spend time with your friends um, without drinking and then also without judgment, which I think is a big thing. Yeah. And that is something that I feel really lucky that my relationships haven't really changed since I cut alcohol out. And like for some of my friends, like I met them like working in the nightclub and like our our first few years of our friendship were spent like from 11 p.m. to 3 a.m. like getting drunk at a club working together. And now it's zero percent of our friendship. So, yeah, I am very lucky with the relationships I have. Yeah, and I'm sure that you've cut out a lot of people, too, because like that was their only focus. And that's just like not that wasn't a healthy Yeah, I know what you mean, but, like, I feel like those were, like, not friends either. That's true. That's true. The block list in my phone is quite long. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know how to block somebody on my phone. Honestly, (laughs) I need to do, like, a computer class with you, like, a technology, like, crash course. This girl, let me tell you. 
listen, I can listen to your podcast <laughs> while I have a workout and that makes me happy. That's all I need at the end of the day. <laughs> but uh, does your fiance download it for you? No. Okay. Okay. I underestimated you. He doesn't. You. Thank you. I have, I have Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> but did you know that on Spotify, you can actually download it to the phone so that when you were on your flight, you could have listened to stuff? I'll show you. <laughs> I'll show you. I can't believe I've been keeping that from you. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Okay, so we are getting off track talking about Spotify. So before we go, I usually ask my guests one question, and that's what they wish they knew about sobriety before getting sober. But for you, I have a different question. What's one piece of advice you would give to someone listening if they have a friend who's struggling with their relationship to alcohol or maybe has let them know that they're sober curious? Honestly, I would just say being there for people. Sometimes it's tough to like have those open and honest conversations and like we don't want to be judged by the people we care about, but it's important just to be a good friend and to listen and just to be there for each other. I think that's beautiful. And that's exactly what you did for me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Before we go, I do have one more thing that I would like to add. Okay. We are actually recording this podcast on Keisha's 10-month sobriety. (laughs) So I just wanted to say congratulations and how extremely proud of you I am. And I love you so much. Thank you so much. I love you so much. (laughs) And thank you so much for agreeing to do this. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Love you. Bye-bye. This is Keisha signing off on another episode of Done With Debauchery. If you liked what you heard, please share and subscribe. You can also find me at donewithdebauchery.com or follow along on Instagram at Done With Debauchery. Thanks for listening.